Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode, I interview Brianna Ned, co-founder of Basque in Being. Today, we're going to talk about stress in the workplace. Did you know that stress is the number six cause of death in the country and by country, I mean United States. I know we have international listeners. And it's the number one cause of the top 10 diseases in the U.S. It's also the cause of workplace burnout. And 75% of the reasons Americans go to the physician is for a stress-related symptom. Oh, boy. But don't worry. Good news. It's 100% curable. Baskin Being has developed a program for companies that builds employee resiliency by helping employees change their relationship to stress. Specifically, they teach teams how to shift out of chronic stress into relaxation. In other words, turning fight and flight mode into rest and digest mode. On July 2019, the World Health Organization designated burnout as an official medical diagnosis, which is interesting considering that doctors have a burnout rate of 42%. This also means that if you're too stressed out, you are allowed to call out of work, y'all. It is a medical diagnosis by the WHO, all right? It's for real. So today I interview the co-founder of Baskin Being, Brianna Ned, who specializes in organizational behavior and she has helped curate this anti-burnout program. Obviously, it's a femtech-focused podcast, so we speak heavily on the differences between men and women burnout at work and our different triggers. This is also super relevant while we're all burning out and stressed while working from home during a pandemic. Burnout doesn't have to be in an office. It can be at home, too. So sit back, take a deep breath, and take an hour out of your stressful day to enjoy the show. Hey, Brianna, welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, definitely. I am really excited for our conversation today because it is more important than ever. Um, I I just think our topic today and our discussion is going to be really pertinent. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. We have had our inbox has been flooded with... <laughs> client requests as we're seeing everything that's going on right now. So I'm just excited to talk about it and help people orient, help orient people to the times. Definitely. (laughs) And where are you located? Where are you calling in from right now? So usually I'm located in Los Angeles. I'm currently on the East Coast with my family in Uh, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, Brianna, let's start with your background. Our listeners love to learn about who they're listening to. So tell us where you're from, what did you study, and how did you end up, you know, working at Baskin Being? Yeah. So as I just said, I grew up um, mostly in Maryland, and then I went to college at Stanford, which now seems like a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. I'm getting old. Um <laughs> And from there, lived in San Francisco and went into the law. So I got my law degree from UT Austin. 
and practiced in big law in Los Angeles for a couple years, moved to a mid-sized firm, specializing in litigation and doing um, a lot with intellectual property. Mm. And then I took some time off from there. And after that, I actually ended up at an in-house job. Um, I was working in-house at an electric car company, actually. Hmm. And while I was there, I did a ton of different things. But one of them was I managed like multi-front, multi-million dollar litigation. Wow. I built a compliance program there. I built the intellectual property strategy and the beginnings of the patent portfolio. So I did a ton of things. And I started to notice this trend, which is that um, as part of my studies at Stanford, I got a master's in sociology and studied organizational behavior. Hmm. And every job that I got to, I sort of noticed the same things in terms of culture, how employees were and were not coping. And I myself had burnt out several times in the course of this career that Mm. I had had. Is that what Um, organizational behavior is, is like how people behave in large organizations? Yeah. So it's like my entire background and how I got to Baskin being and what's really full circle about it is that. In a lot of different ways, I've just studied people in groups. Mm -hmm. Um, So I studied international relations, which is a form of people in groups. Mm -hmm. Sociology is the study of people in groups. And then the law is really how you organize people in groups. And so I've always been fascinated by the relationships between people and how they interact with each other, collaborate and work together, or maybe don't work together. Yeah. Um, And so I just started to really notice these trends of people, you know, burning out, not really having an understanding of what that elusive term work-life balance means. (laughs) She's quoting everybody. She's quoting because balance is, uh, it is very elusive. (laughs) It's super elusive. And at the same time, my business partner, Casey had had her own separate story where she worked in corporate America. She, you know, at the age, I think of 26, directed a global rebrand for a 26,000 person company. Wow. And she burned out and she quit corporate world, became a yoga teacher and a coach. (laughs) And we reconnected after like a decade of graduating from college, we reconnected because she was seeing a lot in her individual clients the individual effects of chronic stress on people in the workplace that I was noticing on a macro level in my work Mm -hmm. um, at the car company and at the law firms. And so we got to talking about this issue of stress and like how it really is. I know it's crazy to say right now because we're literally, we're in a health pandemic, but how chronic stress is the, the epidemic of our lifetime. Yes. Um, and how no one was taking it on directly. And so that's how Baskin being was born was we were like, we need to take this issue on directly because it is the core or it's like the core symptom of so many other things in our society related to our physical, emotional and mental well-being. Yeah. Do you mainly like... Well, I, I bet you have evolved, but in the beginning, was it mainly work stress or was it also looking at stress from other things in life? Um, it has, you know, we started out as a B2C company. The first thing that we did was we built an online course for 
stress management and we called it the stress detox. And it was like a 10 day program that you could go through. I mean, that sounds nice, but I also know that detoxing is a terrible experience. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we had this really interesting experience of like, you know, just like being new company founders where we were like, well, let's like, let, let's scale this shit. Right. Yeah. And so we, <laughs> we just like boldly went to companies and we're like, we built this like very budget, like thrown together online <laughs> course. Did you want to plug it into your HR system or what? Yeah. And they were like, what <laughs> are you people? <laughs> But we did have one company go, we don't want to plug it into our HR system, but could you make it a workshop? Oh, okay. And we were like, yeah, we could try that. So we turned this online program in about 48 hours, we turned it into a workshop. Mm -hmm. And we realized like, oh, maybe it's actually B2B. Yeah. Maybe what we need to be talking about is specifically is stress in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we did that pivot like almost essentially at the outset before we even really like publicly launched. Yeah. Like we pivoted to B2B because we were like, oh, this is where the need is. Um, And that's where we've been living is focusing on workplace stress specifically. And because that has ripples out into every other part of everyone's life. Yeah. Yeah. So are you still doing workshops? as the format? We are kind of, we, um, obviously we are not seeing anyone in person right Mm -hmm. now. Um, but we have been doing virtual workshop series and what we're actually in the process of doing is figuring out what of that programming can go back to like being on demand for people because Mm -hmm. there's real screen fatigue right now. And, you know, I think that just the way that science works, it says that we're going to be in this for the long haul because in a series of best chain scenarios happening, it takes 18 months to get a vaccine. And that's yep. if everything goes perfectly. So yeah. um, really trying to be cognizant of people's ability to be on a screen right now mm-hmm. and building out a mix of, of of programming, but it still lives in kind of a workshop format. Yeah. Amazing. So when did you um, launch this? How long ago was that? Um, A little over a year ago was like our formal public launch. So we launched in May of 2019. Mm -hmm. And how many people Mm -hmm. have taken your workshop or course? Um, Gosh, that's a really good question. Probably, let's see... 140, 60, 30, something like maybe a little over 300 people as like a very rough estimate. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, Because we work with, we specifically work with teams. So we have a Mm -hmm. little bit of a different, like how we grow revenue is we actually grow wallet share inside of a company because we work with one team that's in distress and then we branch out to other teams who they collaborate with a lot. And yeah. then we, it turns into essentially like a lot of culture consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about women's stress because we are on the Femtech Focus podcast. So based on your, you know, previous education and the last year of, of running these workshops, do you notice some 
differences in the way women are experiencing stress in the workplace or handling it? Um, yeah, there is a difference. First of all, it's always women leaders who bring us in. Wow. That's in, that is, yeah. that's our buyer. Wow. Um, every single time. Uh-huh. I think of all of our clients, we have one male buyer. Wow. Um, everything else is women who are in leadership positions in tech mm-hmm. who like see the issues crystal clear mm-hmm. and they're like, we need this. And they are the people that go in and they advocate for the spend. And then they are actually the same people that tell other teams that they also need this. Wow. So they are our biggest buyers and they are our biggest refer referrers as well. Wow. Um, And I think that's because, right, women in the workplace, the things that all the different like microaggressions that women deal with Mm -hmm. having to do like we used to call it in um, the law firm having to do like the housekeeping work in addition to the rest of the job of Mm -hmm. like having to take notes, having to do the task list and make sure people are on track, all of that. And then also having to work with that fear of imposter syndrome and people thinking that you can't do it, you're not strong enough, you're too emotional. In every workshop that we've done, we've had at least one woman, but usually more than one, talk to us about having, like talk to us privately about having very severe health issues as a result of chronic stress and burnout. Wow. So the way that chronic stress works is it's the number six cause of death in the country. It's the cause mm. of the top 10 diseases of, in the country. It's wow. the poor cause. And, you know, we've had everything from people say that they had to go to the doctor for heart palpitations. They thought that they were having a heart attack. Um, and that was due to stress mm-hmm. to people who were working it, with broken collarbones <gasps> and missed doctor's appointments for months and months and months. And then, you know, due to the pain and just the stress, the emotional burden had like a mental breakdown and then had to go to the doctor and then had to take like a three month sabbatical. Yeah. Like, wow. And so a lot of that is from women. There's certainly men that mm-hmm. also have some of these issues that are similar, mm-hmm. but there's something about the women suffering in silence and really not being able to speak up or speak up and ask for what they need from their workplace to take care of themselves. Yeah. That is a consistent theme in our work. Yeah. What do you, you know, so now that you've been doing this and helping these women, do you have suggestions for women and employers on how to break that silence? Yeah, we do. We literally do an entire module. (laughs) You're like, actually, (laughs) literally how to ask for support and um, how to engage Mm -hmm. in courageous communication. Because what everyone's so scared of is like, yes, it's this imposter syndrome, but it's also something about like, being a bad teammate or a bad employee, mm-hmm. something that actually has been really uplifting for our work that we didn't expect is like a lot of people, at least with the companies that we work with, are really passionate about their work. Yeah. And so what they're concerned about is being a bad teammate. Mm. And so what's especially hard for women, I think, with the added pressure of just white patriarchy is that it feels like 
self-care and productivity are often directly in competition with each other. Yes. Yep. And so we have to, we literally have an entire like multi-hour module teaching people like how to ask for support and how to get these two things like aligned with each other as opposed to being in competition. And the breakthroughs are, everyone has them but they're really particular for women, especially women who are parents Mm. because they often feel like they're failing at home and they're failing Mm. in the workplace and they, they can't find the courage to ask for what they need from work, whether it be like meetings or only during this time of day on my top, on my calendar or like, you know, I need every Thursday afternoon off just Mm -hmm. so I can like get myself together especially during this pandemic when it's yes. like you know running errands going to the grocery store right now takes a couple hours mm-hmm. where before it, it could have been an easy stop on the way home that's just not the case anymore yeah definitely um do you have can you give us an example of one of the suggestions uh for that you tell your clients about how to align that productivity and self-care can you give us one example maybe Um, yeah, I mean, I think the best one from a series of workshops that we just did was, it was about finding your yes every day. Ooh, what's that? It's about finding the thing that we call it like the thing that you know is helping you to relax Mm -hmm. is there's this, um, law of thermodynamics in science. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Energy input equals energy output. Uh Uh-huh. And all that that means is like if if you watch those stupid Energizer Bunny commercials where they're like the bunny keeps going and going and going and going, yeah. like the whole reason that they need you to buy your product, their product is that the bunny needs another freaking battery. Yeah. That's, that's energy. <laughs> that's energy input. Yeah. And so we have this myth of like we can just output and output and output and it doesn't matter. Like we can just keep going mm. like the Energizer Bunny. And it's just not true because mm-hmm. we're subject to the same laws of thermodynamics and of physics that everything else in, on the planet is. Mm-hmm. And so you have to put in the inputs. They're just as important. That productivity doesn't happen without an input. Mm-hmm. So what's your yes? What's your yes every single day? That's the input that's fueling the output. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's right now going for a walk or maybe it's working out or maybe because you have a full-time job and your partner has a full-time job and you guys have kids and it's all happening under the same roof right now, Mm -hmm. it's literally like lighting a candle yeah, (laughs) and just like staring at it for a minute. But it's like, it can be big or it can be small, but like, what is your energy input Mm -hmm. and understanding that like that equation doesn't work if you're not putting the input in onto one side of it. Yeah. And so having people with that breakthrough, figuring out like, what is your yes? What time of day are you committing to doing it? How are you, are you blocking it off on your work calendar? Mm-hmm. That's a tool. Are you asking, are you telling your teammates what your yes is so that they can run interference for you because they know at mm. this time of day, Brittany likes to go out and take a, a walk for her lunch break to yeah. reset. So can they take that meeting instead so that you can uphold your yes 
knowing that when you return, you're going to be that much more productive yep. because you in your input. That's right. Oh my gosh. I love it. I was, I'm, you know, sitting here self-evaluating <laughs> my yeses, <laughs> my inputs. And, you know, one of the things uh, I struggle with is pressing snooze on my alarm. And uh, sometimes I get so down on myself about it. Cause I'm like, why are you not a responsible adult? Get up. Why do you have to snooze 10 times? But you know what? While I'm snoozing, I'm also cuddling with my dogs. And to me, that's like a really great way to start my day when I just jump up and I'm like, ah, I gotta go, ah, you know, but if I can lay there, yes, there is like the snoozing and the alarming, but my dogs are near me and I'm just petting them. And I'm like, that's, that is how I want to start my day with them, you know, um, yeah. rather than just get up and go and do the email and look at my Slack. I've, I've had to make a rule for myself to not check email or Slack in bed before I've even gotten up yet. You know, it's like. That's a yes. <laughs> Can you please just walk the dogs first, Britt? You know, then you look at your email, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge yes, because that can feel what a chaotic way to wake up. Mm-hmm. And it's how so many of us wake up. But so to like many. really choose to kind of slap yourself in the face with the chaos of work as like you're just rising. Yeah. yeah. Like you're you're kind of choosing a stressful event for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you said your partner, her she did yoga for like 10 years, right? Do you guys implement any of that into your workshops? Yeah. So the way that it works is we call it the, we have a bunch of different frameworks, but the overarching one is the three R's of stress management. Mm. So the first one is recognize where we teach about the science and we get into the physics and the thermodynamics of stress. (laughs) And um, the second one is relief. And that's where the, some of the yoga stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. But you know, the thing about the wellness industry is sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of the time, it shames people into being like, well, if it's not working for you, like, I don't know how to help you. But like, there's just so many wellness tools. And so what we've done is design them for the workplace. Mm -hmm. We have, um, stress cards that we use. It's like car, it's a la cards against humanity, but cards for your human, for your sanity. It's a bunch of tools that take two minutes or less to do using your breath, your body and your brain. And so it's a mashup of yoga, breath work, cognitive behavioral therapy and meditation practices. And the idea is like, not everything works for Mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. And so you get to be your own doctor. You get to craft your own wellness cocktail and pick and choose the things that work for you in certain contexts and have that knowledge to carry with you forward. So that's where all of that stuff lives. It's under that second R relief. And then the third one reduce is where we do. We pick things up. We get things out by the root. So like, what's the root cause of the stress? Is it you? Are you just like, totally tunnel vision and don't understand what the full scope of your agency is Mm -hmm. to like reduce your own stress. Let's talk about that and how you build boundaries, own them, ask for support, show yourself self-compassion. Is it your team? Is there someone on your team who's just like a jerk that you have constant conflict with that Mm -hmm. you need to have a courageous conversation with to figure out a way to work together better? Is it your company? Is it like a biz care thing? Is there a structural, cultural issue that's getting in the way of your agency to take care of yourself? 
And that's where our consulting piece comes in. Wow. I have experienced all three of those types of identifying the stressor. (laughs) It has sometimes (laughs) been me not choosing to take care of myself and running myself ragged at nobody else's lead except my own. I have had a teammate that was, you know, the vein of my everyday existence. And I've had a company that I've, you know, worked at that it was like, it was the, it was the culture there. So interesting. So it's, it's almost like depending on, you know, what you're walking into or what the employees are walking into your, your course, your workshop with, it may be one of those three or maybe multiple, (laughs) probably, right? It's, It's usually multiple. And the nice thing, what we like about stress and what we quickly learned in doing the workshops is that it is like the the cookie crumbs mm. to all of the thematic issues at the company. Yeah. And like in one workshop, we can tell you what your business model is and where the pain points are because wow. it's all, the pain points are the stressors that are like just killing the mental and emotional health of your employees. Yeah. And why should employers, I think this is an obvious question, but let's get it on record. Why should employers <laughs> care about their employees' stress level? It looks like from what you said, it's uh, women leaders are the ones who identify it the most, but why should why should any leader care about their team stress? Well, because here I think what happens is right, it gets stress gets looped into wellness and well-being. And leaders tend to think about and employers think about those things as perks. And the thing about Mm. it is like, those things are not perks. They really belong under like the operations organization in your company because they're directly tied to your bottom line. Mm -hmm. And people really have struggled to put those two things together Because employee turnover and then having to hire, all of the costs that come with that, that's all associated with employee well-being. And what a lot of people don't realize is that their top performers that are leaving and costing them all this money are leaving because they are literally unconsciously driving them out of the organization via burnout. Yep, yep. And it costs so much money to replace these people. Sometimes you have to hire two people to do the job that one person was doing and neither, and they still can't mm-hmm. like do it as well, you know? And so it is directly tied to your bottom line. It is a huge cost. There's a bunch of different studies out now that where the numbers vary a little bit, but there was one in the Wall Street Journal last year that said that chronic stress cost us $190 billion annually in GDP. Wow. Wow. $190 billion. And that's just, um, you know, God, I'm kind of speechless (laughs) because I'm thinking about you saying like the top 10, you know, things that kill people is also related to stress. So it's not just your bottom line, it's your heart rate and literally it's your vitals. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, healthcare costs, sick days, employee mm-hmm. turnover, like people don't put that under the category of well-being, mm. but it belongs there in your budget. Like yeah. that's the cost of not taking care of your employees' well-being. Yeah. yeah. Um there's a really good documentary on HBO that Dr. Sanjay Gupta did called One Nation Under Stress. Oh. And he he interviews a mortician 
and says, you know, what's the cause of stress of all these things? And he's like, the immediate cause, you know, is something like suicide or a drug overdose Uh or something in those lines or a heart attack. But he was like, when you fill out the cause of death as a mortician, you put in secondary cause. And Mm -hmm. he was like, in mine, like I almost always am writing stress. Wow. Stress is the root cause. And it's presenting in all these different ways. And he was like, I, I think of those things as symptoms, but the root cause is stress. Wow. Do you know any, I, you're not the mortician, so it's okay if you don't have yeah. the statistic, <laughs> but do we know if it's, uh, if women are dying from stress more than men? Um, I don't know that, mm. but I do know that like for women, right, the the issues of stress extend so they manifest differently in our body. Mm. And the thing that's important about women, right, is like we're quite literally responsible for continuing the human race. Yeah. And the effects of stress on our reproductive systems are intense. Oh my God, tell us about that. Yeah, it's like no one ever talks about this. Yes. But it's, and and I really didn't learn about it until I started going to um, an acupuncturist Uh and a a Chinese medicine doctor. But it's like, you know, missing your period or having irregular period, that's often caused by stress. Yeah. All of those things. And, you know, when we start to talk about like womb health and we talk about PCOS and endometriosis and all of these and fibroids, all of these conditions, they're actually a lot. If you go into Chinese medicine and more alternative medicine, what they talk about it as is like how that manifests as a result of mental and emotional health of women and how our wombs actually carry a lot of our trauma and a lot of our stress. And so it physically manifests in our wombs. And so when I hear things like, oh, I'm having like, you know, the statistic I think is like seven of 10 white women and eight of 10 black women have fibroids, those like really high statistics for endometriosis and PCOS. And those numbers are like going up. I'm like, where is the study linking this so obviously to stress? Yes. (laughs) And like you you know, like my, I, I had my own personal experience with it. I had fibroids and I had, um, I had to get an IUD surgically removed because I had such large fibroids that they almost, they pushed my, um, IUD almost to the point of rupturing my uterus. Oh my gosh. And there were no answers for me in Western medicine. Mm -hmm. And like, I found that to be absolutely insane because of those statistics, 80% of people, like how, how are we not getting our heads around, you know, what the science behind this is because it's not genetic. If it's 80% of people, (laughs) that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really wasn't until I, you know, pulled out my own dollars and started to go into alternative medicine where I started to really understand and talk to my doctor more. She and I actually do a lot around stress and women's health. Mm-hmm. And we're, I think we're, <laughs> I don't know the details of it, but I think I'm doing a project with her um, that I'm going to hear about next week on this very issue. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. Because it's so prevalent and there's not enough information about it. Yeah. Do you think maybe women hold their stress in their body more than men do? 
because I, I feel like I hear a lot about all the different ways stress manifests in a woman's body. And for men, I mean, I guess I can see it being like being overweight or, you know, heart palpitations. But I feel, I just feel like there women are just holding this emotion in this deeper energy sense. And it's manifesting in the fibroids and the cysts on the ovaries and breast cancer, you know? Yeah. Well, what I actually think is that um, it's that women are are closer to it, like energetically, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. um, than than men are. Yep. So it manifests. It like the manifestations are stronger and more obvious because women, I think, are naturally closer to it. Yeah. I do. We have had male clients with like. Serious, like we had one client who lost feeling in both of his arms for months, and he oh was like going God. to a neurosurgeon. He was an an executive, and he literally couldn't type emails. He had to. He was having these secret meetings, um, you know, with someone on <laughs> to have him let to like type while he dictated like what yeah. needed to be said. Um, so it happens in men too. It's yeah. just that like. There's so much disassociation and so mm. much societal stuff why men are not as in touch with what's going on with their bodies and their emotions and their mental mm-hmm. health that we just don't know. I think we just don't know as much about it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we talk a lot about the disparities of women, but I definitely want to shout out to our male listeners that, you know, you're allowed to cry and, you know. On behalf of society, I'm sorry that we've told you you're not allowed to be sad or show emotion. <laughs> you should. You should. Um, I am pro-men crying. Um, it's it's strong and it's beautiful and it's healthy. So do that. Um, you know, I am a, a big advocate for PTSD, specifically childhood trauma and how it affects your body throughout the rest of your life. One of my favorite books is uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the data and the research in that book about, you know, um, autoimmune diseases and cancer and oh my gosh, you know, and it, I, my personal story around that is that growing up, I I lived in a pretty abusive, uh, dysfunctional household and my joints hurt so much. My jaw would hurt my shoulders hurt. My hips would hurt. And I was like, between 11 and 13 years old. And my mom kept taking me to all these doctors. They check for Lyme's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, like rheumatic fever. And they just ended up saying, and this is when uh, fibromyalgia first started to come out as a word. And so some doctors said, well, you might just have fibromyalgia and there's nothing we can do. Well, I kind of accepted that at the time, 13 or whatever. But, um, you know, when I left for, from high school to college and got out of my house, all of a sudden I was magically cured. <laughs> I didn't have any <laughs> shoulder pain. I didn't have any jaw pain. And it was like, you know, I look back at that experience and I'm like, oh, it was my body holding stress. Like that's literally what it was. And it could be fibromyalgia. It could have been that, but it was a manifestation of my environment, you know, and how my body was reacting to it. Yeah. And that's actually a really interesting thing to talk about right now because we actually have, and what a lot of people really don't understand with where we are right now as a society, we have three 
different types of stress happening all at once. And that's never really happened before. It's happened for different groups at different times, right? But we have chronic stress that was already happening. People were already burning out at very alarming rates. We have acute stress, which is really triggered by a specific event. Our problem is coronavirus is the event and we don't know when it's going to end. So we're just like in this perpetual, like acute stress. And so there's acute stress disorder is something that will likely come out of this time. And then we have traumatic stress and traumatic stress can be experienced directly or vicariously. So right, if you have someone that you love and care for that has coronavirus, you are also experiencing traumatic stress as though you have coronavirus and have been in the hospital for weeks. Um, Same thing like racial trauma falls under that, gender-based trauma falls under that, all of those things. And so we have all three going at once and everybody has their old traumas that are already living in their body. Mm -hmm. And the way that our brain works to try to protect us and the alarm system that goes off is every time we experience a stressful event, the alarm system, it's like a neuron chain in our brains and it sounds the alarm and it hits all the traumas in the past that are Mm -hmm. on that chain. So every time the stress goes, the the traumas down the chain get hit and it's like you relive them all over again. Yeah, And so that's important to know because with all of these different types of stress happening, we're triggering our traumas, trauma with a big T, trauma with a little T mm-hmm. over and over again, probably multiple times a day, every day right now. Mm-hmm. And so people really need to be cognizant of the fact, especially employers, that it's just like, it's literally not possible to get like the best work out of your people right now. It's just not going to happen. And so what can you do to set them up for success when so many people feel like they're being set up to fail right Mm -hmm. now because of what is just happening at a baseline scientifically? Yeah. Well, what do you recommend for people listening to this right now that are living through this pandemic? They, you know, are working at their dining room table, hunched over their computer for the entire day that are, you know, um, impacted by George Floyd and the movement happening right now and being very emotional about that, watching, you know, the news. What do you want to say to them? What would you recommend? I mean, the, the number one thing that I'll recommend is you have to be more gentle with yourself than you have ever been in your life right mm. now. And like, full stop. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that means for you. Mm -hmm. But I know for me personally, it means that I have been working way less. Mm. I have been like doing much more self care on a daily basis, and literally not compromising that boundary for any reason. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's not going to happen right now. Because my ability to get up from one day to the next and do this work and because my work is truly holding space for other people to mm-hmm. work through their shit. Um, and so I have to be really impeccable about like my own self-care. Yeah. And I and I don't think that that's unique to me. I just think that that's something that 
literally every single person needs to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what your financial ability is. Like we do have the benefit right now of having more resources than ever available for free. Mm -hmm. And you need to find them and you need to use them and try a bunch of different ones to figure out what works for you. And then like be disciplined as hell. Yeah. And in fact, like I I would advocate that the only thing that you really need to be disciplined as hell about is your self-care and everything else will like resolve itself as it resolves itself from one day to the next, because we don't really have a whole lot of control over anything else right now, Yeah, but we have control over how we take care of ourselves right now. Oh my God, that is beautiful and so important. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about what am I doing? And, you know, I haven't taken a good bubble bath in probably a year. I've taken two in the last week (laughs) because I was like, I just because I'm here by myself in my apartment. And I was like, I need like a hug. And this warm water is going to suffice for that, you know, and cuddling with my dogs in the morning. And I'm a coloring book girl. I love to coloring book like, you know, and uh, so those are some of the things I've been doing. But have I been, you know, really like every night, 20 minutes of coloring? No, it's been like, Oh my God, I'm so stressed. I feel like I can't breathe. I should probably color. And uh, thank you for reminding me that I should not wait till that point to start coloring. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, we have two more questions for you that our listeners really enjoy hearing. This has been so such an important topic right now. This is it's just so important. But in women health and wellness space, what do you think there are still areas that need innovating? I think the biggest one for me is like figuring out how to bring alternative medicine into the conversation in a very serious way. Mm. So, you know, our healthcare system is, people hear it all the time, but it it really truly is a sick care system. Yep. And we don't have really preventative health. And yep. That's because of all of these systems and white patriarchy and colonization. And so we've lost it, Mm -hmm. but it still exists and it's thousands of years old and thousands of years old and people still practice it for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that is preventative health. And so what I see in the tech space and in specifically the femme tech space, because Western medicine knows so little about women's bodies, it's actually quite astounding. It is. It's like the place in medicine that actually knows anything about women's bodies lives in alternative medicine. And so for me, that's where the most innovation is for femme tech is like bringing that to the forefront. And being like, by the way, this is actual preventative health. Yeah. Like having someone talk to you about like what your body constitution is in Ayurveda and like what foods are aggravating for you and contributing to disease versus what foods are complementary to you mm. and contributing to like your best, like um, you feeling your best. Yeah. Like there's just so many things and it's like an in-depth science that takes years and years to learn. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who practice it, but like right now you have to do so much research and you have to have so much money to access those resources that like any women's health benefits that live there are really only accessible to financially privileged people. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cause, um, 
you know, I've, I've gotten into acupuncture after I went to uh, treatment for PTSD and they introduced me to acupuncture and how good it is for me. And, um, thank God there is one community center here in Houston, people's acupuncture. It's very reasonably priced, but it's because they have 10 recliners and you go in and you're, you know, laying next to other people. Right. But if I looked up acupuncturist that it's like just me and the physician, right. It's like really expensive. So, um, we need more of those community-based services to get that medicine for, for everyone to be able to experience it. And then the last question I have is, what do you think femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now to be successful? Um, You know, I think it needs intersectionality. Mm. I think that, you know, femtech really, I don't know if it's getting better or not, because I honestly, it's like the conversation is a little exhausting for me personally, so I'm not that tuned into it. But um when I am plugged into it is that it's just not intersectional. Mm. And so it's like, we're not really moving forward all women. We often are Mm. only moving forward white women. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really not helpful because the health disparities between white women and black women and Latinx women, Mm -hmm. you know, they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. And we're also working with like a really narrow definition of what a woman is. It often doesn't include transgender women. Mm -hmm. Like what, what, what's happening there health wise? Like what are the needs there? Like mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. what do they need and work? All of these things. And it's like, we don't have an intersectional platform to even talk about where we should be going. And so all that we're doing is we're moving a small group of women forward and leaving the rest behind. Yeah. Wow. Well, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> there is a yes, lot of work to do, man. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for, you know, people like you and your services because uh if we don't help our underlying chronic stress issues, like we're all just going to burn out and uh we won't move forward. So, <laughs> um thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Important stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to be here. Thank you for listening to my interview with Brianna Ned, co-founder of Baskin Being. I invite you to find your yes every day. The thing you know that helps you relax. We are not, in fact, energizer bunnies, even if we like to think that we are. We're not. We need to rest and recharge. Productivity doesn't happen without an input. So what is your yes? Is it a yes to a walk? Is it a yes to exercising, a yes to lighting a candle and sitting down for 10 minutes? Now take your yes and schedule it directly in your calendar. In fact, go ahead and schedule it in your team calendar so that you can show your entire team that self-care is important and that they should be engaging in it as well. Burnout is not a requirement to be successful. Do not compromise on your boundaries on maintaining self-care. Seriously. As somebody who has stressed herself out multiple times uh, in multiple careers, this is for real. Put that in your team calendar and don't compromise on it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope that you can find your yes today. Take a few minutes to yourself and not just today, but tomorrow and the day after that because you freaking deserve it. Now, I do want to remind you to register for the Women's Health Innovation Summit. It's going virtual this year. Woo! 
It's a four-day event. It'll take place September 14th, 15th, and then 21st, 22nd. Get your tickets before they run out at womenshealthinnovationusa.com. And support the Femtech podcast, y'all. Support us by sharing it with your network. Send this podcast to your team. Tell them all to find their yes. Uh, Subscribe, rate, and review so more people can find our podcast. And follow us on social at Femtech Focus. Um, we are doing giveaways. Like for that conference, we have tickets to give away. We have a bunch of stuff. You should check us out. Follow us and send us a message. Let us know what you want us to talk about, right? This is your, this is your show. I'm just hosting it. Um, and until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.